All right, John 5. I'm going to preach a little bit about what is your will. You know, we, the church has been obsessed and continues to be. The church, when I say the church, I mean the church universal at large, the body of Christ, seems to be consumed with what's God's will. And uh, I'll tell you, you need to settle this once and for all, that his word is his will. He didn't just verbalize a will. Now, if you went, and when we say the word will, we mean in every sense a, a legal will. Like when you go to a estate planning attorney and you set up a will, uh, your last will and testament. What is your desire for what is to be done with your belongings and that kind of thing? Amen? And uh, so that's important. In this world, if you want to avoid probate, praise God. (laughs) These are things I've learned. And if you don't have it set up right, you have to go and prove a lot of things with a lot of paperwork. And uh, it's not that a verbal will is just nothing. I mean, you know, depending on the judge, he might consider something that somebody said if there's witnesses. But it's best to have it written down, isn't it? And it's best to have it written in legal language that uh, that holds up in court. Well, we have, and I'll tell you what, with wills, I, I, they are the most ironclad things you've ever seen. Wills are just very difficult to um, to tear apart after the person that wrote it has passed away. And so the Bible, uh, you, as you know, and we're going to go over to Galatians after we read this in John. The Bible is very clear about God's will and what Jesus did to fulfill the terms of that of that uh, understanding and the contract, really. And so when people say, well, you just never know what God's will is going to be, I always say, and I don't mean it sarcastically, it kind of comes out that way. Well, you do if you can read. And if you can't read, here comes the sarcasm. If you can't read, you can go to night school. And they'll give you courses for free in most places on how to read and write. You don't have to be illiterate in this world, do you? Well, you don't have to be illiterate when it comes to the things of God either. You know, ignorance is not bliss when there's things you need to know. Amen. And so... Isn't it good to be able to read the sign on your driving on the freeway or something? You need an exit. And even if GPS says exit at exit six, you can, you can see I've been on the road a lot recently. Exit, exit six, you know, at least there's a sign overhead that says exit six. Oh, we think this is my exit. Well, if it is, if it's exit number six or whatever it is, and you get off there and it tells you which direction to go, and there's signs along the way, thank God I can read English. Now, if I'm in some foreign country, I might be in trouble, but at least in the United States, I can uh, read the road signs, and I'm happy that I can read them. And so it's like this with the things of God. There's road signs, and there's, um, you know, talk about signs and wonders. <laughs> there's literal signs. And they're written here in the Word of God. This is the atlas, so to speak. This is the roadmap for victory. 
and to get what's victory when you're on a road trip? Arriving at your destination. That's victory. You had a goal and you got there. Praise the Lord. Is this helping anybody so far? So people say, well, you just, you know, it's just, it's just such an ignorant way to have a relationship in the body of Christ with God to just go, well, you just never know what the will of a I don't know. I don't know who's got a copy of his will. And it's like, uh, so then it's like, whatever happens is his will. Whatever happens, good or bad, well, that was the will of God. But you see, you cannot have faith with that. You cannot even hardly pray. And my opinion about that is why pray? If God's will is unchangeable and he's, uh, and it is unchangeable, but it's unchangeable to our favor, not our detriment. But for, for you know, well, you just never know what the will of God is and whatever, case sarah, sarah, you know, whatever will be, will be. I don't know. Well, then why pray? Why bother him with any kind of request? Or any kind of faith at all. Because, well, he might say no, so you just never know, shot in the dark. Well, apparently he does say no a lot, according to some people. And uh, you just have to live with it and say, well, he's just smarter than me. But, you know, that is that talk right there and that belief system, and it's so rampant in the church world, um, it is so bad because it destroys faith. Faith has to be based. Now, you can have hope with that, but you can't have faith. Faith has to be based on something that's known, something that's happened, something that's solid. Hallelujah. If you have a, if you're, if you, if your loved one dies and you've got the will, you can have faith in the will. Amen. That the will will be executed by everybody involved. And it will be if it has to go to court. It'll go to court, but nothing can overpower the will. Amen? And so uh, those things are very important. And so while we've been obsessed for years with God's will, why don't we talk about today our will and what Jesus said about our will, and then we're going to look at his will again. Amen? All right? So settle it once and for all. If you haven't already, do it. Settle it in your heart. Settle it in your mind. Make confessions about it. Get it straight, clean it up, clear it out, (laughs) and be solid about your foundation that God's word is his will. God's word, say that out loud, God's word is his will. Amen. Can you say amen? God's word is his will. And when people say, well, you just never know, you say, well, you can if you can read. And if you can read, you can open your Bible and you can read God's will for the redeemed today. Amen. All right. John 5, 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. They have one about every week, apparently. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Here's the problem. Here comes the problem. 
Whosoever that first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Whoever got in first, everybody else got to wait till the next season. How long might you have to wait? Well, we're going to find that out. Now, I figure from that that the people that were healed of this in this system, the angel troubling the water system, the problem with it is I don't think anybody got in that uh, unless they had not very much wrong with them because it's called survival of the fittest. So some poor person here that's really laid out like this guy, he's, I, I mean, if I were him, I think I would just sleep next to the pool and dangle my leg in. You know, so that I'm automatically first. You can see the pro, how many can see the problem with this system? I mean, you know, not, not very much wrong with somebody, you know, toe fungus or something is going to run over there. That's a, that's a subject to talk about right before Sunday lunch, isn't it? Toe fungus. The fungus among us. Anyway, something. And it says that per- first person was, was healed. Doesn't say anything about anybody else. A certain man was there, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. How many of you, that's long enough to be sick? 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had been now a long time in that case or condition, he said unto him, do you wish it's God's will to heal you? Is that what he said? Did he say anything about God's will here? What did he say? Wilt thou be made whole? Isn't this interesting? Jesus is interested in his will, the man's will. How many, how many, can you imagine that? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine that when I was a kid growing up in church that, that Jesus was interested in my will. We all, we used to sing a song, Lord help my will to crumble. We sang that. That literally sang it from a convention songbook. Lord, help my will to crumble. Let my will be pulverized. Crumble would be pulverized. Crumble cake means it's crumbled on top. It's broken apart, right? Break my will. And we would cry at the altar, Lord, destroy me. Literally, destroy my will that thine may shine or whatever, you know. I don't know. And then we find out in the Word that he's not interested in destroying our will. He's trying to give us a vision so we have one. Praise God. You know, you don't get points with Jesus by saying, I don't care what happens to me. You should care what happens to you. He he does. God so cared. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I, I'm, I'm only yelling because I'm excited, not because I'm angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm excited. Say, well, I don't care what happens to me. I just want God's will. Well, if you want God's will, then you'll care what happens because he so cared that he gave us his only begotten son to die on the cross for us that we would have salvation, righteousness, healing, prosperity and blessing and favor in this world. So we should care. It's false humility, all that talk. is just bad. 
And it's, ah, well, you know, whatever the Lord wants. Well, what He wants, let me tell you what He wants. He wants us to believe His Word. That's what He wants. Amen. Praise God. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, He said here, you know, later in this same chapter in, in verse 39, He said, He said, uh, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. But he's talking about the scriptures verify eternal life, verify abundant life. Search them. Amen. If if you found out that you had some obscure relative that died and you were the next of kin and the will said next of kin inherits and you find out there's about seven million dollars or something there. Wouldn't you search the document to see what it says? How many would search it? You would get that and you would read it and you would search it. And if you needed to, you would hire an attorney to translate it for you if it got legalized on you. And you'd say, I'm searching this document to see what belongs to me now. Amen. Properties, cash, automobiles, whatever would be there, right? Businesses, search it. Search the scripture. Jesus said, search the scriptures. Woo! Praise God. Search the will. Every day you'll find a new treasure. Do you believe that? I wish I had one person in here that was as excited about this as me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And so, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. Now look at his, look at what he's thinking. He's got the King of Kings and Lord of Lords standing in front of him, saying, Will you be made whole? And all he can do is focus on this pool of Bethesda angel lottery thing. And, you know, you want to ask him, hey, buddy, how's that worked out for you so far? Not so good, right? 38 years. It's once a year, seasonal. Should we go for 39? Maybe 40 is the magic number. How about 50 years? How long should we lay there depending on the arm of the flesh? Because he said that, I have no man. I have no man. Oh my gosh, that right there will preach for the next year. Because this is how we think if we're not careful. I have no body. To pay my bill. I have no body to bail me out. I have no body, no man, no human flesh to fix this for me and help me with this. Wow, that's a great sermon, isn't it? I have no man. You think Jesus cared about that? Do you think Jesus is hung up on the pull of Bethesda lottery, get a healing system? Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, 
But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. This man, he said, wilt, Jesus said, wilt thou be made whole? And he's talking about what's not working. Oh, Lord, I've been there with the Lord. Have you ever been there? The Lord says, I'm here to deliver you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to touch you. I'm here to lift you up. And you're talking about what doesn't work. Well, Lord, I tried to borrow money from that one bank and they didn't... Doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief and fear. <laughs> We've all been there talking the Lord out of the idea. Well, I know you think it's a great idea for me to have a miracle, but let me tell you why I can't. Have you considered this, Jesus? I want to be healed, Lord, but uh, I don't have anybody to help me, so I guess I'm just screwed. This is what the guy is saying, basically. When you think about that, how ridiculous that we as humans can be in front of the Lord, telling Him what doesn't work. And He has zero interest in that report. Zero. No, He cares. No, He doesn't. Why should He? He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the deliverer. He is... He, if not that he just did something, he became something. He didn't just do a little sacrifice personally. Okay, I'll just, okay, throw me in the volcano. Maybe that'll calm things down. No! He was the propitiation for our sins. He was the sacrifice blood itself. Why should he care? about an angel that shows up seasonally. What is he on the Palm Beach schedule or something? It sounds like I'm a seasonal angel at Palm Beach. Is it the season or not? Are you going there for the season? This is the way wealthy New Yorkers talk about Palm Beach. Are you going for the season? Oh, where, where, where will you summer? I mean, this is so ridiculous. I'm not mocking this man. I'm just talking about his line of re reasoning. And we've all been there. We've all done this. If we haven't verbalized it, we've thought it. Huh? I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how in the world that's going to work. I've been there. I'll, I'll, I'll confess. Say, well, I've never been there. Well, pray for me. God help you. But the reason I know Jesus didn't care about this lottery thing is because when the man t told him why it's not working, Jesus said unto him, well, maybe you need to sit closer to the edge of the water. If you want the Beach Boys concert tickets, you have to be online at 12.01 midnight, you know, when they get it. Jesus did not say, hang closer 
to the system. He ignored it. He did not, he did not address it. He did not acknowledge it. He didn't curse it. He didn't bless it. He didn't do anything. Completely neutral. It's as if the guy didn't even answer. Because he doesn't care about that. Why should he care? He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He's just got to get this guy to do something else. If you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. Because the definition of insanity, remember, is doing the same thing over again, expecting new results. Are y'all here? You gone home. One lady shouted gone home at me when I said that. Gone home. Immediately the man was made whole. Well, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Jesus said, you don't need he basically in that said, you don't need the angel, you don't need the water, or you don't need nothing except me. That's bad English. You don't need anything but me. I went to school in Georgia. We were 49th in the nation for education. Barely learned to read and write. Hallelujah. Thank God we did. Ah, Listen, Jesus just said, here's a new idea. Why don't you just get up? In other words, he, Jesus just said, I'm here, you're healed, get up. Woo! Praise the Lord. Don't you love this? Can you see how you can apply this to everything in your life? Immediately, the man, immediately, nine years later, no, immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed. And walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Praise God. What a great testimony, right? Jesus was interested in his will. What was your will, man? Well, he says, well, I want to be healed, but. So now anything that you want from the Lord, get the but out of the way. And you'll be okay. But stop putting the but on the end of it. That would be a good sermon. Get your butt out of the way. All right. Um, where am I going? Uh, Galatians 3. Woo! I'm excited. Now, let's read. Let's read Galatians 3.13. Talking about the will. So God's will is set, and now we have to ask ourselves, are we going to align our will with God's will? Praise God. And uh, that's all that happened there at the pool of Bethesda. You can see that Jesus was willing to heal him, or he wouldn't have brought it up. And he's getting this man to just agree with him. That's the whole challenge of faith, people. Faith people, faith people. That's the whole challenge of faith, faith people. (laughs) Amen. Isn't it? That's my challenge and your challenge. 
is that daily we line our will up with God's will. So it might be a good idea, since we need to do that, that's all that the the transaction of faith is that and nothing more. Lining our will up with God's will. So it might be a good idea, especially in an area where we're a little challenged, it might be a good idea to read out loud what His will is. And then say, my speech today, because Jesus said we have what we say. So, my speech today, my thoughts today, and all corresponding actions that I can muster, don't have to get into dead works, don't have to break a sweat and, you know, freak out. But, generally speaking, as I go through my day, I'm going to walk as close to God's will from His Word, not some weird seance you had, (laughs) <laughs> I've been in some meetings that you wonder if they're going to break out the Ouija board. they gotten so weird, you know. And just don't, if you go to a weird meeting, don't drink Kool-Aid if they serve it at the end. That can turn out badly. But, uh, you walk as close to that line of God's will as you possibly can. Amen. I'm on the side of the will. If you're going to court with a written will, you're going to you're going to talk in line with that will. You're going to get an attorney to defend you with that will. The will is what you connect to. Amen? Well, Aunt Ruby said, it doesn't matter what Aunt Ruby said. Ruby, praise the Lord. I didn't mean you. The other Aunt Ruby. Aunt Ruby said, Aunt, Aunt Myrtle said, Uncle Bob said, it doesn't matter. Do you see my point? It doesn't matter what somebody said. It's what does the will say? I, I told you I went to probate one time. My mother and father's uh, title in Oklahoma, every state's different. Every state has weirdness written in, I think, on purpose to confuse everybody. But the bureaucrats are in charge. How many know that? And so... uh they had uh, something about the title on my parents' home wasn't what they wanted it to be, and so she had to go to probate, you know, and appointed me power of attorney to represent her, and I went. And when we got there in front of that judge, do you know what document he asked for and the only one he asked for? Where's the will? That's what that judge said in Oklahoma and Tulsa, praise the Lord. He says, where's the will? And we said, we got it right here, sir. Let me see it. He's sitting there with his giant chair behind the giant desk, and you're down here, little plebe person, you know, holding it up like this to get it up there. He says, let me see it. He puts on his his glasses like this and narrows his eyes and opens it up, and it's dead quiet in the courtroom. Paper. Paper, paper, paper. He reads it, page after page. He read the whole thing while we stood there, like, please don't cut off our head. In front of King Henry, the eighth, the bad one. Here we stand there waiting. The only document he asked for is the will. He didn't say... Now, what did, uh, what did, uh, Doc Horton's brother say about this? I mean, you understand? <laughs> nothing, nothing was ever said about somebody's opinion. 
He didn't even want to know what we felt about it or cared. The only thing he cared about was what does the will say? How many get it? And I understand they tell me that even the governor can't change it. Even the president can't change it. Congress can't change it. Once the will is signed and it's properly executed and the person that made it dies, it's set in stone. You can't change it. Now listen, there's contested wills. But boy, you know, it's really something to overthrow it. And we don't have anybody that can overthrow the will of God. Not even the devil and all the demons can overthrow the will of God. Did you know that? Even if another squadron of angels decides they're going to rebel and try to do something, they can't do it. The whole church can't do it. Nobody can change the will. The will is set. We're going to read it right here. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, where it is written, curses everyone hanging on a tree. Now here's the will kicks in right here. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's the, what would you call that, the uh, the synopsis of the will. Generally speaking, the will says we are redeemed from the curse and we have the blessing. Woo! So every day, this would be a good scripture for you to memorize, these, these right here. Every day you could get up and say, praise God, I want to recite to, in three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell, what God's will is for me today. I am redeemed from the curse of the law, and I have the blessing of Abraham. Glory. Preach, pastor. Let us have it. Both barrels. That's on a shotgun for those of you that are millennial and don't know what that is. That the, that the blessing could come on us. Sounds like to me, that was the deal. Now, let me show you what he says here. Um, let's put up, uh, verse 15 and 16 and 17 in Amplified. Ha! Woo! You got your shouters machine ready to go? Brothers and sisters, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though a last will and testament is just a human covenant, yet when it has been signed and made legally binding, no one sets it aside or adds to it, modifying it in some way. Oh, I wish the church would learn this. You can't modify it. Amen? Now, the promises in the covenants were decreed to Abraham and to his seed. God does not say, and to seeds, descendants or heirs, as if referring to many persons, but as to one and to your seed, who is none other than Christ. Keep reading. This is what I mean. The law, which came into existence 430 years later, after the covenant concerning the coming Messiah, does not and cannot invalidate the covenant previously established by God so as to abolish 
the promise. Go to verse 18. For if the inheritance of what was promised is based on observing the law, as these false, teach, false teachers claim, it is no longer based on a promise. However, God granted it to Abraham as a gift by virtue of his promise. Praise God. Well, guess what? If that applies to Christ, it applies to us. Because we're mentioned. Can you imagine that? We, Gentile people, are mentioned in the covenant made with Abraham. Because it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Isn't that beautiful? We are mentioned. Your name is in the will. Isn't it exciting? Wouldn't it be exciting to be called? Like I said, I I don't know. I'd be excited if, if somebody left me in their will. I'd be really happy about it. Well, it's filthy lucre. Yeah, well, it pays the bills. Praise God. So call it whatever you want. But I'll tell you what. If somebody said, we want you to come to the attorney's office, there's gonna, you've been named in a will of somebody that's very wealthy, I would be like, this is great, I wonder how much I'm getting, you know, what, what did they leave me, their, their cat, or maybe something else. And so you're sitting on the edge of your seat probably, and trying to act calm to see what you get. And then when they read that your name, and to, you know, if it was me, to David Horton, I leave, you know, $16 million. That would be great. Praise the Lord. And uh, I would be excited about that. Well, guess what? Because that we're in Christ, and that we're named as the ones that are recipients of the blessing of Abraham, you could put your name on there. You can write it into your Bible that the blessing of Abraham might come on Frank and Ruby. <laughs> Amen. Or Marie and Jerry. Amen. You can put your name in there. I, I would recommend you do it, that the blessing of Abraham might come. So David Horton, here's how I see that scripture. David Horton is redeemed from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on David Horton. Can you take the Word of God and make it that literal? Absolutely. You should do it. I'm recommending it. I'm pushing this upon you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what is, wilt thou be made whole? You know, what, what is your will? And I'm, I'm not going to answer, well, Lord, I know, but, you know, I don't have anybody much, much wants to help me. I'm just on my own. Just me and Scarlet and Blanche just trying to make it through another week. No, Blanche is the bulldog. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Blanche is the, uh, bulldog. But, uh, and Lucy, the cat. Who thinks she owns the whole place? I think she might. Anyway, um, yeah, just us, our four, no more, trying to just drag along. No, I'm telling you, I'm going to agree with the will of God. So if we're going to say, Lord, help my will to crumble, it would only be any part of my will that's not in agreement with your will. I guess get rid of that. 
But I don't know. I'm not a self-loather, self-hating person. I don't understand these people. I just hate myself. Well, if you keep talking, everybody's going to hate you like that. I mean, it's just like nobody wants to be around that. And it's like if you hate yourself, it's because you're thinking wrong. How? I don't have any value. Somebody might say, well, I don't have any value. Yes, you do. Jesus died for you. Jesus took your place. Amen. The greatest entity that has ever lived spiritually and physically took your place. (laughs) Amen. And died on the cross for you. So that you could have eternal life. So you do have value. You do have worth. Amen. And you have to recognize that. Get get it out of your head that, well, maybe maybe I'm just one of those people that God doesn't really want to help. It's wrong thinking. And I tell you, you stick with that, and it, it'll it'll defeat you. The Bible says, "As a man thinketh, so is he." So, I, have you ever had to get a hold of your thinking and straighten it out? I have. I'll admit it. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll I'll raise my hand. But I've had to get my thinking because, you know, circumstances, negativity, low blood sugar, and God knows what else (laughs) can affect your mood. And you can start thinking some pretty dark stuff. And you have to get a hold of yourself and say, this is not right. This is not the right thought. This is not what God thinks about me. Well, I don't know what God thinks about me. Well, you will if you read the Bible. Amen. He, he's, you're the apple of his eye. You're the darling of his heart. And he's a good father. He wants to bless you and help you. Put you over. Amen. Well, I just preach on and on. I better shut up. Or the Baptists and the Methodists will beat us to the cafeteria. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and praise him and thank him today. Lord, we magnify you. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace today. We give you all the praise, all the honor.